Good morning. We're glad you're all here. I see a lot of new faces. Our, our church family here, uh, they, they, they just say, Brian, take a break. Make sure everybody feels comfortable here. So we're glad you're here. If you're a guest today, my name is Brian. I'm our lead pastor. You got this worship guide. So what's important about this is on the back, we're going to go into the Bible, God's Word, together. There's a little outline back here. Um, and so feel free to follow along, fill in the blanks. First service, I had this seven-year-old boy in the front row. He filled in every spot. <laughs> And all I could tell by his big writing was like, we need bigger space. But it was really cool. Um, but we're glad you're here to our guests too. This Connect card is really valuable to us. If you would, just fill out a name and an email address. Pastor Wayne, we just reach out to you and just say, hey, if you're just here for the weekend, that's great. We're glad you're part of our family for the weekend. But if you're looking for a church home, we just want to help. So dry, just fill that out. Drop it off in a box here when you leave. These boxes right by the door. We have a welcome center out here. We'd love you to stop by there. But, but please do that. Um, I know we got a little bit of time today and I, we don't get a chance to do this very often because there's just so much going on, but would you just take a moment and love on the person next to you and welcome everybody here that we're all part of one family. Make sure everybody feels we're part of family together. So greet each other for a moment. All right. Does everybody feel like family now? Amen? <laughs> <laughs> for those online, we love it that you're with us today. Thank you. All this stuff I talked about, the Connect card, the sermon notes are right there on Facebook Live. They're also on our website. Feel free to follow along with us. And I hope you're greeting the other person on the couch or wherever that's working in your context this morning. So let's get started. We're on a second week of a sermon series that takes us all the way through Lent, 40 days walking towards Easter together. Uh, this series is called The Way. It's talking about the way of salvation. And um, the first week, just let me recap in case you you missed that we talked about the subtitle like the series is called the way last week the subtitle is the way of light and so we we went into the gospel of john we're in chapter one what we call the prologue the first 14 verses which set the framework for the rest of the gospel of john that just talks about jesus it talks about him being the light and that light lights our way he came to show us the way and when he shows us a way and that light lights things up it also lights up truth and it shows us the right path. And when we follow that way, it gives us new life. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it really, we started by, he illuminates and points all that. And so it's like these, these 40 days, we're gonna be going into all the ways that Jesus is the way for us. It's just overwhelming. It's overwhelming. So I'm excited to keep going on that today. Today is, is uh, we're always gonna be, the key verse is always, I didn't say this last week, but the key verse is always going to come out of the Gospel of John. So if you want to read through the Gospel of John along with us during the week and catch everything we're not covering, please do that. Please do that. So open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. It's in the New Testament towards the back. Uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And while you're turning there, I just, I love going and asking the Holy Spirit uh, to come help us see, to see what we're going to read and what we're going to talk about. So would you bow your heads with me? Holy Spirit, we pray to you that you are the one that makes these words jump off the page. We on our own have such limited ability to go into your word and understand what God has intended. But more than, than just seeing words, Holy Spirit, we literally hold our hearts out to you and say, mold them. It might be uncomfortable today or it might be amazing today, but we're holding our hearts out to you to allow you to mold, squeeze, stretch, whatever you need to do to make the word not fill up in our, just our heads, but actually make it transform our hearts and our lives that we walk out of here not the same as when we came in. So Holy Spirit, we need you. And we pray to you with all of our might right now. Amen. 
Nine words, if, if I could just see God, I would believe. You know, I think when we look at that statement, we might think, well, that's something that non-believers or people that aren't Christian yet, that's what they would say. But I'll tell you what, Christians say it a lot too. And I say it in some ways. I think you just have to add a few words. Like, if I could just see God answer my prayer quickly, I'd believe more. Or if I, if I could just see God open that door and give me perfect clarity, I would believe more. So I don't think it's just things that non-Christians say. I think Christians, we say it too as we grow and understand. But when we're faced with that statement, if I could just see God, I'd believe. We have a challenge. If we're in a conversation with somebody and this statement comes up, we have a challenge. Because no human on earth has ever seen God. Let me share with you Exodus 33. Let me jump out of John just for a minute. Exodus 33, way in the front part of our Bible. God's words. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. Oh, that's a good one to start with. <laughs> but the word directly is really important here. No human can see God directly, at least on this side of eternity. Multiple scriptures point to this throughout the Old Testament and New. We go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. Timothy also shares, To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory. 1 John 4, No one has ever seen God. Deuteronomy 4, then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but you saw no form. There was only a voice. So we've heard him. We may see representations of him, but we've never, no human, this side of eternity has ever set our eyes directly on God. Why? It's a good question. Let's look at our first sermon note together. Because God is too big, bright, and glorious for our eyes. God is too big, he's too bright, he's too glorious for our eyes. Let me explain that a little bit. God is too big. He is so much bigger than our minds could even begin to comprehend. He is brighter than our eyes can ever behold. I love it when you go to the book of Revelation and it talks about the new creation, heaven and earth, everything come together, the final culmination of everything that we look forward to and it says and there is no sun because God is what? Light. He is the light. Everywhere he shows himself in just his glory there's always a brightness that makes you drop to your knees. But this last one he's so glorious. What does that mean? I think glory is a word we can throw around a lot. It's like what is glory to us? What is God's glory so big that I can't get my eyes on it? And I, I had to go back and look at this one a little bit because it's a but this definition I thought really helped. It says the glory of God is the beauty of his spirit. God is spirit. The glory of God is the beauty of his spirit. Beauty that's manifested with all of his attributes together. So when you see his glory, you see all of his attributes together. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, yeah, and that's why I can't get my eyes on him. How do we comprehend that? So all I'm messing, doing is really messing with you because we were asking this question. If somebody says, if I could just see God, I would believe. How do we respond to that? 
This isn't an uncommon phrase. It's a very consistent phrase throughout the history of man. If I could only see him, I, I'd believe. How do we respond to that? Well, here's your response. Tell him, you can see him. Hold on a second. You just said you couldn't see him. Tell him you can see him. I want to pick up with the scripture we left off last week, which is also the core scripture all the way through this series. Let's go to John 14, the Gospel of John 14, starting in verse 6. This is where we left off last week, just verse 6. Jesus told them, he's, he's, with, he's with his disciples, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Then he continues, if you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you've seen him. To which Philip replied, Lord, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. Sound familiar? And Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Ah. I want you to say that last sentence with me. Let's say this together. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. It's so important. Let's say it again. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. All right. All right, where are we going with this? Jesus says, you know the Father. His closest disciples, walking with him for three years. You know the Father and you've seen him. And what does Philip say? Philip says, if only I could see him, I'd believe, right? That's what he said, just different wording. Philip said it. This is such a centuries-old statement. If only I could see him, I'd be satisfied. But Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So look at our second sermon note together. Jesus is the way to see God. This is how we see Jesus is the way to see God. So anytime this comes up, if I could only see the Father, I'd believe. Here's our answer. You can't see him. And so he's talking to Philip, and, and, you, and I think we wrestle with this because Philip got to walk with Jesus for three years, right? So he got to see him. We haven't seen him. So not fair. Philip got to see him. We haven't seen him. Oh, yeah, we've seen him. We have not only the Old Testament that points to Jesus. We have the four Gospels that describe his life incredibly, and we have the, book, the letters in the book of Revelation that show how we are to live today and what's going to happen at the end. We have a massively descriptive account of who Jesus is. And the Holy Spirit takes these words. That's why we prayed to him. And he illuminates inside of us who he is. He brings inside of us who he is. Colossians 1.19, this scripture verse reminds us, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. It's a powerful statement. God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. So in Christ we see God in all his fullness. When, because God is in Jesus, we can see a form of God that we can understand. 
This was so helpful for us. Sometimes people separate out the Old Testament God and the New Testament God. Please don't do that. It's the same God, but just in Jesus we see him now more completely. And we have it all written down here. So we go back to it and back to it and back to it. And every time we go back to it, the Holy Spirit reveals him to us. But here's the interesting thing. I'm going to mess with you again. We can see God fully in Jesus, but we can't see him fully yet. I know I'm just messing with you today, but uh, my predecessor, Pastor Pat, he came back for a celebration of life this week. You know, he's one of my favorite guys. He loved the word paradox. We'd always live in paradox. So I want to share with you some statements here to help us see about fully and not fully yet. Uh, we live, so this is, these are the words of Philip Talon. He's a theologian and a really good writer. He, he says we live with two extremes. We've got to understand that we as humans live with two extremes. God is both personal and beyond any categories we have for understanding personhood. In Christianity, our God is personal so much, and we see it through Christ. Our God desires a relationship with us. Our God is personal, yet we cannot get our arms around his personhood. Second thing he says is God is, mo is both present to us and he's utterly beyond us. <laughs> what that means is God is, the word we use is imminent. God is close to us. And we read the Gospel of John, we see that God dwells in us because of Jesus. So he's very close and personal to us, yet he's utterly beyond us. He's still transcendent. We can't get our arms around that. He is the God of all the universe. The third is God is both known by us. And known is a heart language, not a mind language as much as a heart language. God is known by us and unknowable in his innermost being. He's known by us, but knowing his innermost being is beyond us. And I wonder, uh, any of you theologians out there can call me on this, but I wonder when we go to heaven, do we get this big gigabyte download that we understand everything about God that day? Or do we just begin a journey of starting to understand throughout all eternity how big he really is in every day? I tend to believe that. I don't know if I theologically have it all written down yet, but... I just don't think it'll ever be boring. By far, it's never gonna be boring. But I wonder every day we get to know him more because he's so infinitely. And the last one, God is both visible through Jesus and he's unseen as the Father. So God is very visible in Jesus. Jesus tells us that. But for us on this side of eternity, we can't see him directly. And I love Colossians 1.15. It says, Christ is a visible image of the invisible God. Reminds us of that. So it's okay to live in a little bit of tension. Back to a very important point. Jesus said, this is that key scripture throughout our whole series, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way to see the Father. But Jesus goes on to say it's so much more, so much more than seeing. So let's jump back into to the Gospel of John chapter 14. Let's go to verse nine in the middle. Again, Jesus' words here to his disciples. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? 
The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. I just love how he's instructing them and growing them. Or at least believe, at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. So Jesus says, I am the way to see, but now he tells us it is so much more than seeing. It's also believing. Believing because of what you see. Believing because of what you hear, the very words of God come from me. And believing so much that your life changes that watch him work through you. And be utterly amazed at what the God of the universe does through you. That solidifies belief. So let's look at our third sermon note together. It's more than seeing. Faith is believing. But here's the next thing we gotta move into. It's also coming close. So seeing, believing, changing that path that Jesus is showing us, and then coming close to him, close to God. Jesus didn't come to earth just so we could see the Father. He came so we could believe, and he made the way that we could actually draw close to him. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So what's really cool about that statement, for those who believe, it is not, man, if I could spend time on this every week and just say this one thing, Christianity is not about let's live a good life just so one day I can go to heaven. Because what he's saying is this, nobody comes to the Father. He's not talking about down the road. He's talking about now. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can have the life now. I am the way. I'll light the way. In that, you have the truth. You'll stay on the path. And I am the life, new life now. It's now. It's we can have this now. We don't have to wait until we go into eternity. You can have it now. And so I always have to ask this question as I look out amongst this crowd is are you at that point today where you've seen enough and are you ready to believe and start down this new path? And if you're ready to believe and start down this path saying, you know what, nothing else I've done has gone down the right path, let's go this way. I shared with a person just in the last week who's making this decision who felt like a lot of people feel that I just need to get myself to here so God would accept me. And I said, please don't. You just need to believe and then you'll start that journey. God doesn't require you to clean yourself up. He requires you to turn towards him and come that way. And then we'll help. And he'll do the work in you. And a light went on. 
are you at that point today that you're ready to take that first step and say, I, I've been seeing, now I believe, will you help me? Yes, because everybody in this room who knows Jesus took this step, and we start with baptism. When I see and I believe, then the next step is baptism. I get in the water, which is symbolic. It's an outward expression of an inward change, we say. And I get in the water, and I leave my old self behind, and I rise up new, clothed in him. I have that new life now. You don't have to wait. And I start living differently now. And you have the whole community of faith around you walking with you. If that's a decision you need to make today, and there's no more excuses that you believe, on the back of this card, so it says, I'm interested in baptism. We're going to have a class here in just a couple, two, three weeks. We'll announce that. But I'm thinking either Easter Day or the week after Easter, we're going to be baptizing. But we would like to sit down with you and talk about that step you're going to take and walk through it, through the Bible together and talk about it. But if you're ready to go down a new path and have new life now, we're ready for you. During the last song today, too, if you want to come down, we'll be right here in the front row. We'd love to talk to you about it. And you might be saying, well, hold on a second, I got walk in front of all these people. They'll be the ones cheering you on because they've all made that walk too. So be bold today. Don't walk out of here. Don't walk out of here going down the other path. If the time is now, let's do it. Far too many people see, but they don't take that step of belief. But here's the other struggle countless others see and believe but they never draw close there's a phrase this might sting a little bit there's a phrase we use for those who see and believe but never draw close we call them cultural Christians I can look like a Christian on the outside but I never have to give up what's on my inside I believe in God but I don't draw close because I'm too busy, I got too many other priorities, I just, man. I believe there's another reason that we don't draw close to God. And I believe this is much bigger than the rationalization or justification of time and busyness. I believe one of the biggest reasons we do not draw close to God is because when we get close to him, we see ourselves. I think this is the big one. Because when you get close to the holy, you realize where our warts and everything are. And it's easier to go back to something else. So let's get our fourth sermon note together. I love this one. Seeing God is seeing ourselves unfiltered. <laughs> seeing him, believing, and coming close to him is seeing ourself unfiltered. Unfiltered. We stand by the holy and there's no filter there because we see our lack of holiness, we see our cracks, our defects, our warts, our behavior, we see our sin, which makes it hard to stand close to the holy, Right? What does unfiltered mean? So I discovered this. I, I'm on Zoom a lot during the week, right? And so I'm on Zoom with all these meetings all around, and I realized one day I'm messing with my settings and stuff, and I realized, oh, hey, there's this little slide bar that's a filter. 
So here's a picture of me unfiltered. Um, yeah, I'm wearing my contact say so I can see the lines and the face and the dots and the hairs growing in places hairs used to not grow. And I slid the dot on the zoom thing and this is what it looks like. <laughs> like Man, that's a 10 year younger me. It's like, I like that. And I was hanging out with Brenda on our creative arts team. She says, you know, Snapchat. I was like, well, I got Snapchat. And I was like, okay. So I thought, well, let's just change the filter here. And this is what I found out next. Hey, that's really cool. <laughs> and I thought, well, there's another filter here that's really cool that everybody likes is the hipster pastor. So I changed to the hipster pastor filter. And it's like, <laughs> what do you think, Kara? Filters. We live in an electronic world. We've always been able to filter, but now today, we know, we guys know this, we can make ourselves look like whatever we want. And we're really just changing the outside, right? We can, but the reality of this is, is I can filter myself, and if I filter myself to believe this is my true self, I'll never draw close to God. Instead of letting him work in my unfiltered life. It's so much easier to retreat to this fake life. Now, filters are fun, but unfortunately, the reality is they're teaching us the truth. That's really a big lie. We like so much that filtered version of ourselves that we don't like drawing close to God and seeing the real me created in his image in the likeness of his son. Guys, this hit me really hard about two weeks ago. Um, I'm, in a, I'm working on my Master of Divinity degree, and, I, and, I, and one thing, I have this class called Spiritual Formation. It goes along all the time. It's a one-hour class. It's always pacing my other courses, and the, the purpose of the Spiritual Formation class is to make sure everything I'm learning is not going here, but actually what I'm learning is changing here, and I love it. Well, no, I don't love it because it keeps, it's unfiltered. It, it unfilters me all the time. And it's, it's been pointing at the last two years this struggle I have. I have, I believe, a good prayer life. By struggling this one area, I mean, I'm praying a lot during the day with others, with myself, but I found out there's this one area I continue to struggle on, and that's meditation. Now, be 